So Matthew, exclusively for your podcast, I think it is, I just send these amazing people an Instagram message and just say, hi, like, this is who I am. These are some of the people I've done. This is what we'll talk about. I only need 45 minutes of your time. Be very grateful if you could come on. Hello, Matthew Grant here, partner at Instec London and your host for the Instec London podcast. Uh, in the week in which Lemonade had its IPO, it's interesting to be hearing from another VC firm about what it's looking for in its portfolio companies. This week, I am talking to Oli Forsyth, community manager at Draper Esprit. Now, the company has got investments across a wide-ranging portfolio, including some familiar names from insurance and financial services. But of course, innovation comes in many forms. And as you're about to find out, Oli himself brings a very different perspective from our usual guests. Oli, great to have you join us for a podcast. You're another one of my occasional guests who is a real expert in the area of podcasting. So I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from this as well as learning about your day job. So thank you for joining us. Amazing, Matthew. Thank you so much. So very interesting to hear what we're up to at Draper Esprit, your community manager. It's the London venture arm owned by uh, the longstanding investor, Tim Draper. Uh, you're also in your spare time, as I alluded to, the host of The Maker's podcast. I thoroughly recommend it to anybody who's listening to have a, have a download of that. And you've also run your own businesses. So you've got lots of great criteria for, uh, for talking to you today. Yeah, no, amazing. Thank you so much. Super excited to uh, be here and discuss what's going on in technology and also a tiny bit in the podcasting world. Good. Well, we'll come to that in a minute. But first of all, can you tell me a little bit about Draper Esprit themselves? Yeah, sure. So we are a late stage uh, investor. We typically back late stage tech companies, so late Series A and beyond. There are four or five key sectors we really focused on. One is consumer tech, so such as fintech, digital health, SaaS and enterprise, deep tech, and hardware. Some of our portfolio companies include the likes of TransferWise, Revolut, um, Push Doctor, and many more. We are based in London. Uh, we've got a small office in Dublin and Cambridge as well. Team of 40, and we back amazing European companies. Yeah, it's very interesting. You've got some of the big names in there of investment and actually some of the big names that have been uh, doing really well the last few years. I, I noticed your tagline on the website was, we back the teams that break the rules. That sounds, uh, sounds a lot daring if you're in the world of finance and insurance. What, what does that mean in practice? Well, I think for us, we're always super interested in meeting all kinds of entrepreneurs. But to give you an idea, we probably only invest eight to 10 companies a year. So I think to be an entrepreneur nowadays, you have to be breaking the rules and you have to be doing um, you know, something really exceptional and incredible to become a notable company. So we're all about backing notable and super interesting companies and um, ones that are slightly different as well. And your role is community manager. Uh, what does that mean in practice? Meeting lots of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who may be looking to raise, entrepreneurs who may be raised. So one thing I do at the moment is analyze all the deals that are happening across Europe, uh, seeing which ones we've been in touch with in the past, which ones we um, have, do lots of trend spotting. So I mentioned to you earlier, one area I'm quite interested in is the passion economy. 
So um, I think especially in the younger generation, so the Gen Z world, the way we live and work in the future, I think will be very different uh, in five or 10 years time. Um, we can go into it later, but for example, do we need to li- live in big cities in order to have the most amazing careers and, and max amount of income? Potentially not in the next five or 10 years. I think now is more about the experience not working in a couple of roles throughout your career. The passion economy, that sounds like a fantastic term. Is that a Draper Street Esprit term or is that something that's out there? I just haven't happened to come across no, it yet. No, sadly not. Um, it's, it's out there quite a bit. There's some great interviews uh, you and your audience can watch. So I do uh, lots of that in my spare time. I'm currently writing a, uh, an investment thesis around it. Brilliant. Well, you heard it here first if you're from the insurance community. I don't think that people often use those two words together, passion and insurance. So uh, hopefully we haven't lost half our listeners now, Ollie, rushing off to go and <laughs> find the more interesting topic of the, the passion economy. So please do, uh, please do hang in there with us because Ollie's going to reveal more as we go. Well, congratulations. I mean, yeah, loads of jobs are tough to get. I mean, it's fascinating to go out there and see who's out there. But I mean, how, do you, how do you fit all that into your day? There's, that's a, there's a lot of people out there looking for money. You've got a very broad remit with all the areas you fit in. So how, how do you sort of figure out which are the ones actually worth talking to? I love meeting people and I love speaking to people. First of all, I start off with the criteria, the companies we look to invest in. If they fall into that category, I always try and reach out. Um, companies who've recently raised in the market, if we haven't been in touch with them before, I always try and reach out if they look interesting or we would potentially invest in that sector uh, down the line. If we're interested in speaking further to them, they will go to our weekly deal flow calls. And if they progress through that, they come and talk to us. Uh, and then, you know, maybe there's a more chance we would invest in them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I, everyone has loads of email these days. I'm sure you must be getting swamped with people trying to uh, trying to get some of your money. But it's a really interesting area. And, and what are you seeing just now or in the last few months in terms of the nature of how people have been coming to you are there people out there that are really struggling to get money and you're seeing you know, more people coming to you or what other changes might be happening i think now is is an amazing time for entrepreneurs start companies you know potentially if you're in digital health fintech and the tech, i think we're still at the very beginning um unfortunately i think lots of the very very early stage companies the one or two man bands um not saying they'll fail but i think now is a good opportunity to evaluate where can your business go in the next five or 10 years? Um, do you need to change revi- the revenue model slightly? Um, I think now is a great time to hire talent. Unfortunately, lots of amazing companies are having to let people go uh, from a cash flow point of view. So I think now is a great time to, to hire talent. Um, but looking in the next kind of 18 months, um, I, I do think we'll see some quite cool companies coming out. Yeah, I think if you can survive through this, then you, you tend to be a fairly strong organisation. I mean, I, just generally the themes we're seeing is, I think, probably one of the other areas you didn't touch on. But yeah, a few companies that are probably three or four years into their initial fundraising are actually being expected to have more demonstrable evidence of revenue generation and clients. They might have had like a longer runway before, but we're seeing a bit more pressure coming in now to deliver results. I mean, as I suspect that's going across the sectors, but just want to talk a little bit about insurance. You've got a few companies in your portfolio that are either directly in insurance or certainly got strong offerings for insurance. I, you know, I counted GetSafe, ISI, 
UiPath, your Revolut's got a travel insurance app from in their own offering. I don't think you yourself are from an insurance background, uh, but what's the, so your general view or the, the, the Draper Esprit view of what's going on in insurances now? So I think it's um, a really interesting sector. Um, the services I'm interested in are services that are offered to Gen Zs and millennials. Um, I think we're still at quite an early beginning. I think the company that potentially will win, um, I don't think it's a, a one-take-all market, but I think the companies that will win are the ones that can build the passport of the customer. So for example, Revolut, one of our portfolio companies, they start out as a fintech and they've got all these offsprings uh, of services. If you can get to know your customer from when they're five or six years old, all the way up to when they're 50, 60, and they need pensions and potentially wealth management services, that becomes quite an interesting company. Uh, and you can offer all sorts of insurance products in between. So I think to summarize, we're still at quite an early stage, um, but seeing lots of companies raising um, and in the space. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, what happens uh, in the next five, five, five or six years. Yeah, although I noticed your choice of words, you talked about insurance and fintech was not quite as enthusiastic as uh, the, the, passion, the passion economy. Uh, but I just got a question for you around that insurance buying one. So you're in that category of a sort of millennial and, and I assume about buying some kinds of insurance, maybe you're not, but you know, what's your own, either your own personal experience of buying insurance or your friends? I, I, maybe you just don't know because it's not really the kind of things people get together or certainly these days of Zoom calls. I've never heard of anybody having a Zoom call to talk about how they're buying insurance. That would really be quite sad. But but I just I want to ask you about that a little bit because yeah, you know, that only that only works you know the sense that this is a new way to buy insurance if people are actually buying this insurance this way or you know if it's just not important or they just prefer to do it the old way. So is there anything from your personal perspective you can add to what you're seeing people's habits are in that respect? So I didn't drive yet, um, but household insurance I did a couple of years ago. Um, simply went on online. It was originally a, a comparison website and wasn't too comfortable. So found uh, an interesting company and it literally took five minutes and all approved. So I think those those young millennial Gen Z products are amazing as we come into a world where people's attention spans are very short and I think if companies want, uh, if they want to have their customers buy products, they need to have the customer's attention within the literally first couple of seconds. Otherwise, um, it's not going to work. I sort of agree, although I actually think it's more of a, it's true across the whole demographic, actually. I mean, I, I think, so the, I, I think it's part of this focus around this early stage sort of buyer is actually misses the fact that everybody wants that convenience I mean, that is where you know, fintech and insurance is is going to win is you just don't as you said you don't have to f- put a phone call into a broker you can do it yeah. online or do it electronically and there's a really interesting sort of balance in insurance between what you can do online versus at some point you actually do want to talk to somebody and i think that's just where it gets more complicated you might be able to insure your phone online but if you want to insure your your house for some complicated coverage or uh, you've got some travel insurance to exotic parts of the world. Sometimes you just need to get the phone. So I think that's where some of the technology goes. It's converging between the what you can do online for simple stuff, but uh, you know, and then very efficiently and effectively talk to somebody like you're on a phone or maybe even just by uh, by chat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so just talking a bit more about Draper Esprit. So you're 
actually publicly traded, which is unusual for a VC fund. It's kind of interesting because it means that people can go in and get a little bit more visibility into how you're doing and how you're performing. But anything so specific that that uh, relates to in terms of how you go about your job or things you know, to point out to people when they're looking at you? Well, I think what's interesting, first of all, hasn't really been done in Europe before. We actually IPO'd four years ago today. So having those fund cycles, which most VCs are used to, from a venture capital point of view, you mentioned earlier uh, about breaking barriers uh, and we talked about entrepreneurs being slightly different. We've reinvented how venture capital works. We don't have fund cycles. Um, we have capital due to buy. We're still open for business. How, by the question was, how do people look at you? Well, we're slightly different. Um, from an investment process, we can still get things done very quickly. Uh, four to six weeks, we say on average. So I'll just like to transition a bit and talk a bit about your own background because in your role, it's great to have had some experience of starting up a business. And, and you, you talked earlier about yeah, so breaking the rules or doing things differently. So, so can we just talk a bit about yeah, how, you, how you got to where you are now? You left school yeah, pretty earlier than many people do and you start a business that I think are really quite an early, early stage. Can, what was that about and, and how is all that all going today? So I started my first company when I was 13. I'm 22 now. Um, the business was a online e-commerce website for teenagers. So if you think not on the high street, it was similar to that. Um, I was I didn't particularly enjoy school. I couldn't read until I was 15, 16. But I always loved making money and I loved uh, speaking to people. So at 13, a young entrepreneur has a business, makes making a tiny bit of money. The media absolutely love it. So when I was 14, I think now, um, a news agency sold my story to the Daily Mail. And from there, I think I've been in roughly 100, 150 uh, news uh, you know, publications over the years. Never paid a penny for PR. Um, but unfortunately, as you get older, that stops, which I'll come on to in a minute. Uh, but did the online e-commerce website for four or five years. It was called Ollie Shop. I've always a great name. Uh, but then I thought, this is not a scalable business as all the cash comes in September to December um, when the seasonal um, you know, month starts. Um, I then launched an entrepreneur's magazine when I was 15, 16. That grew to 50,000 readers in the first year. And the reason I started it was reading all these business and entrepreneurial publications, such as Forbes and entrepreneur.com. For a young teenager, they were quite heavy reading and quite hard to read. Um, so I thought, let's create an entrepreneur's publication, which is just really easy to read. I can write. So I got uh, university students starting journalism to write for me. Uh, great exposure for them. It's great to build a network. And over the years, did that, did some entrepreneur events. Um, but I always love speaking to people. And I was thinking, how do you get a bigger reach from online magazines to audio? So I launched uh, the Makers Podcast, which does today. Um, interestingly, originally only interviewing entrepreneurs on how they overcame particular challenges. So you mentioned one of your heroes, Julian Richer, founder of Richer Sounds, uh, the music store, who's a fascinating guy. Um, people, Netflix founder I've done, Honest Burgers, all sorts of really interesting uh, entrepreneurs. But having been in the entrepreneur space for 
or since I was 13, so nearly uh, 10 years now, uh, 11 years. Um, I was thinking, how do I start building my network and a bit of a name outside the entrepreneur's world? So now the podcast is focused on interviewing notable names, uh, household names on how they've overcome particular challenges, uh, particularly in the world during coronavirus, where people may be a little bit down, they may be not feeling very motivated, mental health is affecting a lot of people. I just wanted to help one or two people lift their uh, spirits, hopefully. And um, yeah, I mean, I've interviewed... Uh, Alexandra Burke, she won the X Factor. Um, Charlie Borman, the adventurer. Um, who else have I done? Lots of singers, Olympians, sportsmen and women, to name a few. Um, and it, it's just a great, great way to build your network as well. It's tremendous. I mean, it's hard enough to get people in the sort of heady world of insurance to join a podcast. I mean, you're competing out there for a lot of people who are competing for the uh, the same guests you have and you know, having listened to some of those you 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 get some really good yeah and very natural insights back from them so to the extent you're willing to share it you know just so everyone doesn't run off with your ideas i mean how what do you do to basically yeah. encourage them to spend you know half an hour 45 minutes talking to you when they've got busy lives anyway yeah well i was thinking uh, i've had the idea at the back of my head to do this format of a podcast i was thinking do i launch a separate podcast or i just keep it as it is but mine was always around kind of entrepreneurship. Um, and when coronavirus came along, lots of my friends were saying, um, you know, I need a podcast that helps me get through the day, lift my spirits. Thinking, right, I've got this idea at the back of my mind. Let's keep it as one podcast. And as everyone was at home during lockdown, it's a, an ideal opportunity to get big people on. So Matthew, exclusively for your podcast, I think it is. I've only mentioned that on one of my episodes. Um, I just send these uh, amazing people an Instagram message um, and just say, hi, like, this is who I am. These are some of the people I've done. Um, this is what we'll talk about. I only need 45 minutes of your time. Be very grateful if you could come on. Um, and I think as you start getting more notable people who these people know personally, that's when kind of they start coming on. Um, and now it's more dealing with their agents and publicists as you get bigger names. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it. And I think it's just super interesting speaking to someone for half an hour, 45 minutes, and completely appreciate these people are very high profile and notable. Um, but also it's really interesting what they can do for you afterwards. So I, I try and bag uh, an introduction to one of their friends who is a good fit for the show afterwards as well. Very smart. Yeah. Well, I guess it probably helps you. I'm sure Instagram account has got more than my 54 followers, most of whom have got the surname Grant. So that's probably the difference between what you're doing. Oh, you have have 55 (laughs) after this. Uh, No, they're very, very good. And that's the Makers Podcast, isn't it? Anybody can just find that on uh, usual podcast channels. Absolutely. Available on all podcast shows. And for people who are interested in short tech, Matthew has a great podcast as well. So always go and check it out. (laughs) <laughs> well, I hope so, Ollie, because they're, listen- they're listening to it. Um, uh, and anyway, enough about us. What about Draper Esprit? So you are, you're going back to work soon. You've got a, a lovely event space that I guess has been gathering dust over the last few months. Uh, what, what's, what do you see happening in the next uh, few weeks? I mean, I think it changes every day. For us, we're doing more and more online events, for sure, until the end of the year. 
um, so that we're doing things around fundraising. Um, we do office hours on a monthly basis where entrepreneurs looking to raise their seeds, Series A, Series B rounds can come and talk to us for 20 minutes, half an hour. But I think the most interesting question will be an area. How will the entrepreneurs ecosystem you know, get back together once we're back to normality-ish? Um, I hope you know we can start seeing people again within reason soon. And I hope the entrepreneurs ecosystem and community doesn't change in, in any way. Hopefully for the better, for sure. But all these big conferences where people used to go to with 20, 30,000 people, um, I, I just don't know if they will ever be the same again. Yeah, I kind of with you on that. I mean, I think there's really big ones in a sense. I, I've, I find those are actually less satisfying than the slightly more specific, yeah, intimate ones where you, you get a chance to see yeah, a few people regularly in a nice environment. Um, mm. And so yeah, I think what we do miss, so you can only go so far with digital. And certainly, I mean, we find there's a, there's a great efficiency about being able to pop open a laptop and talk to somebody in Israel or California or you know, all parts of the world, really, that obviously much harder to do. Well, I mean, it's impossible to do unless they get on an airplane if you want to do it face-to-face. So I think we're seeing some benefits of that. But I, what we do miss is that, you know, you touched on that kind of opportunistic ad hoc, you're bumping into somebody at an event. And well, hopefully, you know, when we start doing our events, again, in our, I mean, we are very, we're very, whatever the, whatever the opposite of social distancing we are in the steel yard, you're all kind of like crammed together. But people find their capacity, they find business partners, they find employers, we give people a chance to jump on stage with a microphone and, say what they're about and it's that yeah it sounds a little bit like what you're doing uh the difference is we're a slightly more diversified audience but we do have quite a few investors so i think that's what is missing and that but you know the, that's part of being an entrepreneur isn't it you're resilient you go and find the money you find the client you know people will figure it out because that's what they're good at and so one way or the other we'll get back together again i'm sort of reasonably optimistic about that going forward hope so uh, and you came across us, Ollie. Uh, you, you reached out to us a few months ago. Uh, I mean, what's your sort of perception of what you've seen happening with us at Instate London and, and how we sort of present ourselves to the world? Any sort of comments or uh, advice you can share on that? I think for, I love community-driven companies. And I think what you guys do for the short tech space is incredibly valuable. I think now for community initiatives and VCs and investors, et cetera, is all about treating entrepreneurs with respect. Um, and I think if you can deliver value and advice and encouragement to entrepreneurs, now is the best time to do it. Uh, some will be slightly scared, I should think, um, nervous, but some will be full of optimism and uh, you know, um, looking forward to the future. So I think if you can just offer as much value and um, you know, support to entrepreneurs that, that would be great. Certainly we do a lot with early stage companies, scale ups we like particularly because they've got some funding money so they can pay us because uh, as much as we're a community, we're also a business. And, and actually we're also seeing, you know, you're probably seeing it in some of the companies you look at and in FinTech and hey, maybe even the passion economy, but there's companies coming in from outside of traditional insurance space that are seeing the benefit of bringing in clients, data, distribution, you know, even some capital. Uh, and so that, you know, what we thought of as InsureTech five years ago is really changing a lot now. I mean, it's still a little bit of a startup opportunity, but there's some really fascinating companies that are coming in that can already hit the ground running. So we're sort of working all the way up to we're doing an event with MasterCard this week. We're doing an event with Google Cloud this week. So yeah, that's part of the fun of it, actually, is seeing some of the sort of entrepreneurs, people who work in these companies who've got great ideas, 
and want to sort of use their organizations to drive those forward as well as the people that are starting up. And one, you know, of course, one helps pay for the other. So we do a sort of free pay forward model where we bring people in less than two years old and get them on stage and as I said, get them up there talking on the mic for free. And then once they raise their money, we, uh, we go and knock on the door and they very kindly pay us and the whole community sort of drives forward and the business is built on that. So it's actually worked in, working yeah. incredibly well. And this um, is what uh, community uh, initiatives need to be about, networking opportunities for entrepreneurs listening um, and potentially younger VCs. Um, I would just go and build your network now, not tomorrow. People are busy, but they've always got the time of day to meet new people. Um, you know, when I joined Draper, I didn't, I knew, knew a few VCs, but I didn't know as many today. Uh, and in my first week, I just got in touch with 20 or 30 of them saying, can we have an intro call? Uh, majority said yes. Um, and I'm sure that's very easily done for other VCs or people in the short tech community. Just go and build your network now. And then show cool um, can, can never be harmful. Yeah, exactly. And sort of playing the percentages as well. I just don't worry about the ones that say no. And my other, my other exactly. sort of top advice on that, I don't think you need a Zolly, but for anybody listening is often people feel they send out one email, they don't get a response back. Therefore, the person doesn't want to talk to them or they've been ignored. And, and the reality is everyone's so busy or they open the email saying, I'll get back to it and don't. You know, my, my advice to anybody is you send an email, don't get a response, then just send a chaser like a couple of days later, politely saying, by the way, did you see my email? Uh, I know I've now, yeah. opened, I know I've now opened myself up for all those people I haven't responded to in the last two weeks to get back to them. But, it, you know, it's just part of that yeah. entrepreneur's journey, isn't it? You just, it's perseverance and resilience, as you said. But exactly. it's, also, it's also giving back, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this, but you, you need to remember once you get there that people have helped you along the way and, uh, and, and you know, not, not be sort of too, too proud or too mean not to remember that you know, you'd be able to get to where you are now because people helped you along the way. And I think there's a big difference out there in you know the people who've been successful and help others versus those that tend to sort of forget where they've come from exactly such good advice so ollie that's been really great covered a lot there thanks for talking both about what's happening at draper esprit and also sharing a bit of your personal story and giving us some exclusive insights about how to get guests <laughs> for your podcast that's uh, what makes this stuff really useful but uh, if people want to get in contact with you or find you what's the best way to track you down yeah, no as well. Thank you as well so much for having me on and thank you for creating this community uh, for the InsurTech London uh, ecosystem. It's so valuable and people who are listening, you who haven't been to any of Matthew's events, uh, I, I would recommend you go. But for people who want to just get in touch, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, or you can just email me, ollie.forsyth at draperesprit.com. Um, and I promise you, I do respond. So just reach out if I can help and wish you all the best. Brilliant. And we'll put that link in the episode notes as well. Ollie, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Matthew. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more from Draper Esprit and maybe even run an event or two in their offices. Do check out Ollie on the Makers podcast. And of course, we are always interested to hear from people with an unusual story who want to be part of the Instec London network. We're born in the UK, but broadcasting to the world, www.instec.london. <laughs>